All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for the celebration uh, and the wonder and the excitement. Just that that is the response, Lord, of this glorious news, the good news of great joy that the angels announced, Lord. We, we get a, a, a sense of it, even a glimpse of it. And may we behold your glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We pray, Lord, that the brief time that I have our attention, that we would turn now to your word and be just as enthusiastic and just as filled with your spirit uh, as we go forth uh, into this week ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. We're wrapping up our series, uh, Joy to the World, looking at a wonderful carol of Joy to the World. The fourth and final uh, verse proclaims, He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. It testifies to the wonder-working power of Jesus, the love of God in human form, the greatest event in human history, that God took on human nature and flesh and lived on earth and died on a cross and rose to save us. He was laid in a manger that you and I might live in heaven. I love uh, uh, Dave Ozzie on, on his Instagram. He wrote this, There are a thousand times in history when a baby became a king, but there's only one time when a king became a baby. Amen? Amen. That's what we celebrate. Right now, he is ruling over all the earth, and it's a wonder, and it should, it should inspire all within us. Uh, Isaac Watts is drawn here from uh, Psalm 98, which we'll look at in just a second, but also these, these words of, of truth and grace. He, he flips what John says in, in his gospel, John chapter 1, verse 14, that Jesus arrived full of grace and truth. And then he says that the nations will, will prove, will test that indeed he is ruling right now. The joy of the world in this final verse, these final parting shots, and we're going to sing in just a little while. When we do, I really want you to belt it out in this fourth verse. If you got anything left in the tank. The joy of the world intertwines God's judgment and his love. Those seem to be interesting pairings, aren't they? Like this plaid shirt, it's an interesting pairing of colors. But, but he, he rules, means that he, he judges. We, we don't often think about that. We want to think about God's love, but we think about judgment, we think, well, that's something that I don't really feel comfortable sharing, but that is part of the good news. You see, without God's love, there's only fear of judgment. Now, that's all we get. Without God's love, we get judged. Rightly and correctly. And without God's judgment, without a wrong being made right, his love is meaningless. So Watts has opened his Bible to Psalm 98. We would open our Bible again, as we looked at it a couple of weeks ago, to Psalm 98. And we'll just look at the final verses, verses 7 and 9 here on the screen. He, he's, the, the psalmist is calling all of creation to sing praises to God, including elements of nature. And it says, <clears throat> let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing <clears throat> together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. 
He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. The psalmist is saying, all these nine verses, eight leading up to the, the final one, all the reasons to praise God, all, the, all the, the six reasons we see in the first six verses, and then this calling of all of nature to, to clap their hands and rejoice and get on their feet, is for God's judgment. How does that ring in our postmodern ears? Oh, judgment. Oh, I don't, I don't want to be judgy. I don't want to believe in a judgy God. The biblical worldview says, no, no, you don't understand. This is a source of joy. And we as believers in Christ, we welcome it in joy because the one judging is the Savior who's come to make dead men live. And he's right, and he's righteous, and he's brilliant. And every decision he makes is correct. That baby boy brought endless joy. And here he's, he's reigning. He's the reigning Savior. He rules. He says in, in uh, our fourth verse here of Joy of the World, he rules with truth and grace. It says that he compels the nations. He's, he's like really pushing the, the question. He says, I, I, I'm going to push this question. He makes the nations. He compels them to prove the glories of his righteousness. Where, now, what does that mean? What does it mean to prove something? To, to prove something is to test it, to determine whether something is, is reliable or true, is it the real deal. And the Lord Jesus will not be ignored by anybody, by any place. The nations will have to answer. That's why we have this term proving ground. The proving ground is where we stand right now because the king will not be ignored. He will compel attention and that sooner or later, Every nation will face the glories of his righteousness, his rightness, either with faith and joy or with rejection and misery. It's only those two options. There will be a day when, when Christ will be fully celebrated or fully rejected among all the nations. But until that day, as believers in Christ, as disciples of Jesus, as men and women who've been redeemed, who passed from spiritual death and darkness to life and light, as we have a voice, <laughs> we will proclaim and point people to the risen Lord Jesus to make the only sensible response of repentance and faith. Praise God that our church strongly supports and endorses missions. Amen? Amen. We're going to celebrate next Sunday uh, Pastor Mark and Carol Fisher, all their, their investment in our church and through our church. And it's a non-retirement celebration because Mark's going to preach. His whole family will be here. They're still going to be part of our church, praise God. And, and the, the really, the, the brains in the operation is going to be on Mission Council. Carol's going to continue to support Mission Council. Just a little joke. Um, <laughs> what a wonderful thing. Integrated into the life of this church. Why? Because our mission is not complete. So, so here it is, a concise, powerful understanding of our worldview, of what we, we pass on from generation to generation, that Jesus Christ is the long-awaited king. He reigns supreme, and that's a good thing. Why trademark that? Life is hard. Life can be 
terribly unfair to think about experiences that you have, that you've shared with me. Just imagine what the Watts see in with the Kurds, their people. They've learned the language. They've, they've become part of those people. The injustice that they've experienced and are experiencing now. The one who rules the world promises to soon return to make all things right again. The payment will be exacted. That on the cross of Calvary, Lord Jesus paid that we might experience peace on whom God's favor rests. And so we testify to the nations. That's why we are a mission church. That's why we want to support the mission far beyond our campus, but even here, because God is bringing the world here to South King County. There are people moving here from all over the place. Our church is changing. Our wider community is changing for the better. God is drawing his people from every tribe and nation and, and well, I'll even say religion, to this place, and we have the opportunity to open our doors, to reach out, and to share the good news. And people want a sign. Well, Pastor Pete, what's the sign? What, what's the sign that we're on the right track? Or what's the sign to what, what Jesus is doing in our midst? You know what Jesus said in, in Matthew 24? He said, there will be no more signs. He said, all the signs have been given. What did he mean? Well, let me put it this way. If you're standing someplace and you're looking around and you ask, excuse me, um, which way to Seattle? And you're standing in Pike's Place? The answer is, you're already there. So when people say, well, where is God's kingdom? Where is God's kingdom? We need to know we are already there under his rule. The message of the Bible is not that God is going to get us out of here on the skin of our teeth before uh, the polar caps melt and before we blow things up. That's not the gospel message. The gospel message of the Bible from cover to cover is that God has already brought heaven down to earth in his son. And one day he will restore all things and he will bring the new heavens and the new earth to this place. What do we pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on this earth as it already is in heaven. The already and not yet. And so I want to just have, turn your attention to the screen here, the slideshow that's going to play. Beautiful nativity scenes. I think we have a little nativity scene here on the stage, but these are lovely nativity scenes from around the world. How is that made possible? Uh, just as our missionary shared about the opportunities, years ago, 2,000 years ago, uh, Rome had created Safe Passage, the Pax Romana, where there was roads and there was a common language and an opportunity for the apostles to spread the gospel. And now, even more so through social media, the opportunity to finish the mission. Listen to this. Galatians 4.4 says this. At just the right time, some of us are procrastinators, right, in our gifts. Some of us are way ahead. The Bible says, at just the right time, when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman. Romans 5 eight, God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. That means we were blind, we were deaf, we were far from God. Are you far from God? Have you not experienced the wonders of his love? 
while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Let us employ our voices to sing. Let's rejoice that he's making his blessings flow far as the curse is found. And let us testify to the wonders of God's love. We're going to turn things around. I'd like to invite you to stand now to hear God's word. Join me as I read to you a glimpse of what's to come, a new heaven and new earth from Romans, tw- uh, excuse me, Revelation 21, 1 to 5. <clears throat> then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. The people were afraid of the water. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among his people, and he will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. He promises to make everything new. Lord God, make everything new in us now. And you rule over heaven and over earth and everything in the earth and over every people and tribe and nation. Lord, rule over my heart. Rule over our families. May we put you first. May our allegiance be first and foremost to you. Bless us, O God. Bless us and send us forth with this good news of great joy.